Selfless selves, linked eyes, and not eyes. Eyes are third in a series of 12 annual 12-hour events, taking place on December 12, 2022. Each year, the event moves through each word of the 12-word phrase, you and I are water, earth, fire, air of life and death, and activates the word of the year in a myriad of ways. You're listening to the Liquid Architecture Podcast. Today, Christoph Magone talks through the origins of his curatorial project, You and I are Water, Earth, Fire, Air of Life and Death, the contributions to this year's theme of I, and the use of time and mathematics to create structure within artistic practice. Christoph Magone is an artist, teacher, curator and writer often working with language, voice, bodies, performance, intimacy, complicity, and endurance. He lives in Toronto and is an associate professor in the Department of Visual Arts at Western University in London, Ontario. Liquid Architecture will present Ego Trip by Machine Listening for this year's instalment of You and I, A Water, Earth, Fire, Air of Life and Death. The video work was made following the announcement of Ego4D from Facebook AI in 2021. Ego4D is a dataset, an international research network coordinated by Meta, and a set of machine learning challenges to competitively answer the questions, what did I do, what am I doing now, and what will I do next, through the eyes and ears of an augmented human body. EgoTrip extracts moments from an Ego4D promotional video and relentlessly recomposes them into new variations of their slogan question, what if AI could understand your world through your eyes? Machine listening is an investigation and experiment in collective learning instigated by Sean Dockray, James Parker and Joel Stern. My name is Christophe Migone, and I'm based in Toronto, Canada. I am an artist working primarily in sound, video, and performance, but also I write and I sometimes curate. So the name of this project is You and I are Water, Earth, Fire, Air of Life and Death. And it's a 12-word sentence, which I am, I am stretching out or I am placing one word per year. The project started in 2020 and it will go to 2020. 32, but actually technically 2031 plus a day. I'm, I'm leaving myself uh, 
a strange ending. And it's hard to predict what will be happening in 2032. That's part of my interest in this time span. The project started with a residency at Glenfiddich a distillery in Scotland in the summer of 2019 with my partner, Marla Halady. And we did a bunch of works there. But one of the things that stuck with me is the fact that the 12-year span has become, for marketing reasons mostly, the default marker of gestation for a single malt. So Glenfiddich whiskey, for example, but many others, 12 years is kind of the, your baseline. The sentence is based at its point of origin in the fact that alcohol in its etymology means water of life. And after spending three months living in the distillery as an artist in residence, it became clear to me that that w wasn't descriptive enough, wasn't accurate. There was so, so much more to that involved in making alcohol. And hence the sentence, which is a bit awkward grammatically, but includes the people involved in the making, includes the classical four elements, and then this this notion of life and death that kind of is the temporality of the of the project and of our lives and deaths. I've worked previously with projects that hinge on numbers as a kind of framework. At first this project was going to be just a 12-word sentence, and then it was going to be only a website. But because the pandemic hit, I felt like I needed to spread the word on this project in a different way and also kind of gather my various communities of people that I've worked with for a long time, people that are kind of new to me, and I kind of create a kind of synergy, hopefully. The second phrase is different from the place, time, mood, mindset you are in now. And for a long, long time, I've wanted to do a project based on the second part of the first sentence of Alvin Lucier's I'm Sitting in a Room, which is, I am sitting in a room different from the one you are in now. So the different from the one you are in now is, it's the rhythm of it. I mean, I'm isolating it from the rest. Obviously, Alvin Lucius' piece is all about rhythm, arguably, and space. So if I'm trying to recall the steps for this second phrase, I expanded Alvin Lucius' phrase because I needed 12 words. So different from, in, now, the first two and the last two are the original, and then I added the place, time, mood, mindset, you are. Again, slightly awkward grammatically. By the time I expanded it, I knew that I was going to incorporate it into this original 12-word phrase. The reason I incorporated it was twofold. One is there was something about the 
entropic nature of heading towards death. And I didn't want to be morbid per se, but also be cognizant of the fact that that's where we're heading, both ontologically, us as living entities, but also more restrictively or more narrowly in this project. It's ending in death. So there's a tautology there. What I thought would be interesting in terms of manifesting that death was that starting the second year, I would remove an hour of the programming. So last year, because we were sending out the project, not only a YouTube Live, but also Resonance Extra in London, Radius in Chicago, and Wave Farm in upstate New York, they were picking up the feed, but they were audio only. I thought, well, having one hour of silence in the middle of 12 hours that they're broadcasting, that's verboten in, in radio. You can't have dead air. So what I did is I asked 12 artists to give me a recording of a room in their living space, in their home, that they were not in and that they had turned the lights off. And then what I did is I worked with the 12 minutes of each of these contributions and there was a line that delimited a primarily black square and then a lot of room tones. This year, I have another hour to take out, but the way that I'm doing it is I'm taking out 10 minutes at the end of every hour. And I've again asked 12 different artists, but this time I asked them for a video of their studio where they either make sound or do visual art with light on, but they're still not in the space. So with this particular aspect of the project, I'm curating it as opposed to inviting an organization to curate. It's a bit more close to the chest in a way, at least so far. And once I kind of committed to the idea, basically heading towards a December 12 in 2031, where the word is death with only one hour of programming and 11 hours of quote unquote nothing. So I'll have to figure out what this nothing will be. I'm kind of keen on always having a kind of artistic contribution that is something about idleness or uh, evoking silence or quietness or some kind of reduction. I have time to figure that out, I guess. of the question of time in my work, I teach full-time in a visual art department. And one of my courses is called Techniques in the Temporal Arts. It's a bit superficial of me to say that visual artists don't think about time, they only think about space. And conversely, musicians don't think about space. I mean, we spoke earlier about Alvin Lussier, and that's a piece that's intrinsically about both, obviously, but also a key aspect of it is is how the space affects the the sound. 
So the importance of time in my work is so intrinsic that I almost can't put words to it, that I can't remove it from any of my thinking at any stage of a project. From the production stage where it becomes very concrete, managing the time I'm allotted, it reminds me once I was commissioned to do a 10-second sound piece, and that just seems so absurdly small. I love that challenge, and I end up submitting a sneeze. And that was also a challenge, is to, you know, how to record a sneeze and what's a good sounding sneeze, et cetera, et cetera. But because I began my, my practice as an artist in radio, radio is arguably only about time. Uh, you could say that at least the, the element of space in radio is significantly different. I'm tempted to contradict myself with what I just said, but I guess, at least from my perspective as an artist who was kind of learning the tools of my trade, the key thing that I was thinking always was was time and how one could bend it by being very slow with it or by being very frenetic and fast and intense and noisy and loud and basically how you know perception can can alter your your sense of time. In terms of time as a structural device or mathematics, the counting part probably with me began as an attraction with large round numbers. There's something so kind of neutral about a hundred, a thousand, a million, a trillion. As soon as you get to the larger numbers, you're, I'm thinking about wealth and that kind of absurdity of, of hoarding wealth and capitalism. So what I like about that is that when it becomes larger, it becomes something that seems unattainable, but perhaps is. And that's kind of the initial intrigue, if you will, of a piece. For instance, the hit parade piece that I did as part of Liquid Architecture in 2014, my basic instruction was lie down on the ground and hit a microphone 1,000 times. And what was key to that is that each person could choose their own rhythm. The piece started off really chaotic, polyrhythmic, and then kind of it trickled away as some people were slower, so therefore lasted longer, and some people finished earlier. Some people might have miscounted because they were in charge of their own count. I like that notion of imperfection or failure that's embedded in pieces like that. done in terms of curating is I'm at the third year. The third year is, is going to happen December 12, 2022, and it kind of organically evolved mostly for practical reasons that A, it's on December 12th, B, whoever was the host would determine the fact that it would be from noon to midnight in that time zone. The first year, it was a residence extra in London, England, who was the hosts. But 
my first step was not to apply for grants and get funding, but was to think of it as a much more kind of nimble and horizontally structured entity. So one way to concretize that idea was to invite not only artists, but also organizations. And because it was the pandemic, a lot of organizations said yes, because they weren't doing programming. And a lot of people were doing things online. So this is yet another version of that. I had attended a few of these online events, and I was still kind of distilling, pardon the pun, my experience in 219 in Scotland. Those two kind of meshed together quite well, and I thought, I'm going to invite people based on the word of the year. And because I'm not centralizing structurally and I'm not paying the the artist fee, I can't really impose that much of a demand to stick to the theme. I quite like the idea that over the span of 12 hours, you have a huge array of interpretations of my prompt. So if you're prompted by a word uh, in 2020 was you, in 2021 was and, and this year it's I, those words are so open-ended. I add a couple of sentences that might twist on it, but I leave it very open. And I quite like that. Maybe I'm not discerning enough, or maybe that's the nature of this entity is that it's once I make the invitation, whatever I get, I get. I like that unpredictability. Once we get to the elements, water, earth, fire, air, then it becomes kind of geographically interesting to think of, oh, okay, a water, then it might make sense to think of a port city. But I'm also interested in contrast. It could be a whole year where we're focused on desertification and the lack of water or polluted waters, you know, those kinds of approaches to the, to the word. project this year, 2022, is triggered by the word I. It's graphically very difficult to work with because it just looks like a, a stick. I have put a hyphen before it to connect it to the end that was before, but I was kind of keen on defining this I as kind of the opposite of the self. So in the description, one of the things that I, I sent to the artists was this notion of a selfless self, not necessarily emptied out or hollow shell, but one that was porous, still cognizant of its identity, but also, and I think more importantly, self-aware enough to know that you can't, you're not living in a bubble, just to be you know, simplistic about it. Obviously, that I think is very pertinent of the times, but it's also a long-standing philosophical question. I'm just kind of hinting at what I think could be interpreted as an I, as something that would fit within the idea of I. But obviously, you can also think of I as E-Y-E, so something that 
examines the visuality of our eyesight, but you can think also in non-human terms and also in the kind of the agency of objects. There's all sorts of, I think, ways of uh, spinning that out. Liquid Architecture's contribution via machine listening, Joel Stern and I met when I was at invited as a performer to Liquid Architecture in 2014. He expressed an interest in the project as a whole. And then so we we met over Zoom and he described to me this software that they had developed and its capabilities and, and invited me to play around with it. In his brief introduction to me of what it can do, it seemed like a a giant shredder that could, in a way that's beyond kind of the immediate control of human decisions. I mean, there's still the people who program the software, obviously, but at a few steps removed, you could throw things at this engine and it would spit out combinations that you would not have thought of. And also thereby kind of produce a kind of critique of the media that you're feeding into it in a way that's humorous, challenging orally and visually, but also has, I think, kind of a social political dimension in terms of voicing back, kind of regurgitating in a way that is just mind-boggling in terms of possibilities. What if I I could have this world through your task? What if... AI could build your world through your next generation. What if I could tell that world through all eyes? What if AI could understand your world through your eyes? What if I could understand your The 12-hour span of time was something that I couldn't escape in a sense that I have a 12-year-long project. I have a 12-word sentence. December 12th made sense, the 12th month, the 12th day of the 12th month. So 12 hours immediately made sense. It's, of course, a challenge. It's a challenge to put together, but it's, of course, also a challenge to attend, to listen to, to view. I've often been attracted, both as an audience member and as a performer, to durational pieces because they leave that openness or that in a strange way, they kind of account for the body of the listener. And what I mean by that is the person attending will invariably have to go to the bathroom at least once, will invariably need to eat or have a si- at least a sip of water. And all those you know, potential interruptions to their viewing or listening to the project are fine with me Maybe another way to put it is that they will drift in and out. They'll be bored by certain projects, perhaps. They'll be irritated by some of the other ones. Or they'll be fully immersed and attentive and also available. And perhaps, you know, they'll have to go pick up their kids or have to go to class. There's all sorts of circumstances that will interrupt or that might interrupt I think the live moment is important and that manifests especially through the chat. The chat element is something that I really appreciate. It it gives a sense of community. But if you miss it, you miss it. It's instantly archived. So 
there's a remnant of it and then you can watch it all at once if you want, but more likely you'll probably dip in and out also when it's there as an archive. So this year, in terms of contributions aside from liquid architecture, there is a really, I think, for me, a rich mix of maybe even a potential collision between people who are more in sound and music and people who are more in performance and visuals. I'm very uh, post-disciplinarian, I guess, maybe is a way to put it. But nonetheless, people have a point of origin or, or, or kind of a home in terms of their artistic practice often. One of the, I think, great things about a online project is that, and actually I've had a few conversations with different people, for people who were coming more from sound, it was a challenge for them to think of visuals. And then vice versa, people who, like, Tazine Kayom from Toronto, her video was originally done without any sound. So I quite like the fact that she took this video that she did in 2018 and she adapted it by adding a soundtrack. Dim Coast, which is a pair of uh, artists, curators, writers, gallery directors, uh, musicians based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. They're doing a much larger project called A Sound That Never Was. And I'm one of the artists that they invited, but there's also uh, Raven Chacon, Chris Cole, Felicia Atkinson, David Grubbs, Asosan, Mark Templeton. There's more names. It's a really huge project that it sort of coincided in terms of the timing of this project. This fall is when they're launching it. But what's also of interest and kind of one of the kind of ramifications of this 12-year project is that this project was started as a response to Vivian Darek Lozovsky's book, Voice of Hearing, which was uh, featured in the first year in 2020. We had a roundtable and my press, Squint Press, published this book, Voice of Hearing. So it might sound a bit insular, but I think more of it as kind of expansive. I love the fact that Jake Moore and Steve Bates in Saskatoon were kind of so enamored by Vivian's book. I'm just a small cog in that the wheel of that particular project. The first two years, all the material was pre-recorded. And this year, most of it, except for the last three hours, will be. So the last three hours will be not only live in person, but live in a space. I'm keen on keeping each year being either slightly a tweak in terms of format or completely different. I could even see one year being a totally secret thing that I that I do in my basement at home and I just send a tweet once an hour or something. Oh, you know, maybe Twitter won't exist by then, but <laughs> that's also a, a latitude that I've allowed myself specifically because I'm not beholden to any funding body uh, for this project. 
There is a CD coming out on Squint Press, which is a press I run based on one of the projects that was presented last year. So there are kind of ramifications to this that I think will only expand as the years go on. You and I are water, earth, fire, air of life and death will take place online on December 12, 2022, from 4am to 4pm, with works from Machine Listening, Gabriella Ariel, David Grubbs, The Dim Coast, and more. Find the link in our show notes. This podcast was produced by Mara Schrepfeger for Liquid Architecture on the land of the Gadigal of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge them as the traditional owners of this land and recognize that sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Liquid Architecture is an Australian organization for artists working with sound and listening. You can support our podcast and online journal disclaimer through a Patreon subscription for as little as $5 a month. Find the link in our show notes. <laughs> <laughs>